Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron Master. I'm the pastor here. Uh, you're in for a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We like to say we do here what every good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style just might be a bit different than what you're used to or different than other churches in the area, but we want you to know we're still true to the Bible. We take God very seriously here, and we want to guide and encourage you in your weekly walk with Him. Today, we're continuing a series that we're calling Bold. We're studying through the book of Acts, and we're seeing how people who followed Jesus had this newfound confidence in the ways of God, and it provoked them to make bold moves, to not only just deepen their own personal faith, but to help with the explosion of the church, the first church. And today, we hope God creates this newfound confidence in your faith from this series, but also helps you realize that you can contribute to the growth of God's church even still today. Uh, but today, to get started, I thought, we'd just a- I thought I'd just ask you, when you think of bold, what do you think of? Bold. What do you think of? For me, when I think of bold, I tend to think of fashion statements is what kind of comes to mind. Hawaiian shirts, back in the day, were like, whoa, bold move on the Hawaiian shirts. And like, now it's in. It's, it's back, back to being in. How about this one? Uh, Crocs. Used to be a bold move to wear like some blue Crocs around. I used to have some, and they, I think they got burned up in our fire. My wife has yet to let me replace them. But now they're like kind of in. Teenagers wear these. Like, they're in. How about, uh, how about this one? Toe shoes. That was, those are bold moves, and I think they're still bold moves if you're wearing toe shoes. I don't know. How about this one, slides? Who owns like a pair of like slides or sandals like this? Come on now, who owns a pair like this? Y'all, y'all have one, right? Now, I think it started with, with, without socks, and then I think dads had the bold move of with socks, and like now that's kind of in, right? Like... Now, what is it? Is it socks or is it without socks? I don't even know. Uh, wearing these, one of these things was kind of like a bold move at one point, right? And maybe it's still today. Honestly, in honor of moms in the room today, I think moms as a whole just make bold statements, uh, whether it's by what they want to do or not. Um, no one pulled off yoga pants better than moms. Like, it's a huge industry. I think moms like started it. It's a huge industry these days. Moms even had a bold move on jeans, that's now exploded today. There used to be this SNL skit, Saturday Night Live skit, about mom jeans. Check out this little clip. Mom jeans. Mom jeans fit mom just the way she likes it. Bold move to wear jeans like that, but that boldness paid off as like every teenage girl wears mom jeans. Uh, Mom jeans are back, but will your daughter actually let you wear them? They're back in. They were bold. Now, I'm sorry if I'm calling you out on maybe a style you like or it feels like I'm picking on you. Um, sorry. But we as a church, we honestly don't take ourselves too seriously, but we take God very seriously. For real, though, when I say the word bold, and for this series, what I want us to think about bold being is behavior born out of belief. Boldness is your behavior born out of belief. I mean, it's so true, right? Like, you're confident because you like or believe in a particular style. You're maybe, you believe it to be the best because of something inside you. You're willing to take a risk with it because you believe it's worth it. You're maybe even willing to be direct or outward with it because your belief tells you it to be true. 
boldness or bold moves is your behavior born out of belief. And it's what we see many people in the Bible model early on in the church and in their faith. After Jesus left, the disciples were bold in what they believed, in their actions, in how they prayed, and in how they talked to others about God. We see this in the book of Acts. I'll read it for you, a little section we looked at last week. It's Acts 4.13. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, a disciple of Jesus, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Ordinary people, no special training, but they had this encounter with Jesus and what he offered, and their bold behavior was born out of their belief and trust in him. So today, we're studying that same book of this Bible in hopes of us having some of those same bold feelings towards God. Because don't you want that? Don't you want that? Like, don't you want to be bold in actually what you believe in? Or at least have your belief be something that makes you want to have confidence in it. Maybe, maybe you're unsure about God today. Don't you want to at least have some ideas or ways God gives you confidence and why you should maybe even consider believing in him? Don't you want to have courage to be bold in your actions, your words, in your prayers, so much so that it impacts your life and others around you? I know I do. If you weren't here last week, what we saw last week is the reason why the disciples had this confidence in God. And what we saw is we realized that they acknowledged the fact that they had power available to them through God. Uh, we, they reflected on what God has done in your life, and we can do the same. Reflect on what God has done in other people's lives. Be in a position to see change happen for yourself and for others. That's how you can gain bold, uh, bold feelings. Now, as we look at that, I hope that was helpful. And knowing why and how you can have boldness is great and all. But it does nothing without obedient action. So today, we're going to see how to actually follow through and know what to expect in attempting to follow through with active, bold obedience to God. To give you a bit of context of where we're looking at, um, just that we're going to look at chapter 5 of Acts. And what we saw in the early couple chapters leading up to that uh, is we see bold obedience after bold obedience. Uh, to give you a little context, Acts starts after Jesus' resurrection. He leaves and he commissions that, his people to go and share who he is. Well, all of a sudden, the disciples, the people following Jesus, they, they get in this room, they're praying together, and then all of a sudden, they go out into the city, which there was a festival happening, and they're able to speak in languages that they didn't know prior, and they're able to communicate with people from other areas through their native language, and 3,000 people come to know Jesus after that moment. That's amazing. Peter, a disciple of Jesus, he, he goes, in the next chapter, he goes and he heals a man who was lame, as in someone that's not able to walk, and he tells the religious leaders who did not like Jesus the hard truth on how he was able to do this, and people hear all about it all around them, and 5,000 come to know Jesus from that act. Then, a couple chapters later, Peter and his friend John, they're put into jail even, but they couldn't, the leaders couldn't find anything to charge them against, so they continue on to teaching, which picks up to where we're looking at today. The story we're looking at is, is their next journey. It's in Acts chapter 5. 
verses 12 to 43, it says this. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. So let me just break down what's happening for you here for a second. Before this all happened, the disciples, they were in prison. They were pressured by the religious leaders to stop teaching, stop doing what they're doing. And then they just keep showing up and healing more and more people, even though they had this warning. They keep sharing with people and others are bringing more and more people to hear this good news. In my mind, what I'm picturing actually happening realistically is Jesus' people are coming out. They're teaching in this area, and they're looking around, and all of a sudden, oh, there's no religious leaders around, so let's just teach. And then all of a sudden, like, ooh, religious leaders coming, let's scatter. Everyone flees and goes away somewhere else. And then once they leave, they come on back, and they start teaching again. I think moms can relate to this feeling, actually. I feel like it's like when the mom comes around, and it's cleaning time at home, everyone just seems to disappear, right? No one is around. It's like, scatter, mom's, mom's ready for cleaning. And then it's like weird, like when it's brownie time, everyone's around. Like, if you're a mom, you're probably just like, I just wanted a pan of brownies to myself. I can relate to both of those things. I'm not a mom, but I can relate to the fact that people scatter when it's cleaning time, and I can relate to the fact of wanting to eat a pan of brownies myself. But it's not totally like that for the, the disciples. What happens next is this, and it gets a bit intense. Check it out. Uh, it says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, those religious leaders, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. The apostles didn't care they saw them teaching this good news. They didn't care that they told them not to do it. So they're put in jail again. And then it says this, during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And the angel says, go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. Wait, let me get this straight for a second. They're arrested and somehow this miraculous Thing, like lets them out and tells them, hey, go back to where you were arrested and do the same thing you were doing before. What? That's a bold strategy, Cotton, right? That's like what we talked about last week, like a little, little insider thing. Like that was all, all about last week's message. You'll have to check that out if not. But it was a bold strategy. Like, hey, you just got caught, like put in prison, but go back there and do the same thing and maybe you won't go to prison. I don't know. Well, the religious leaders they obviously realize that they're going back to the area to teach. And it says this in verse 28. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that people would stone them. And they yell at them. These religious leaders yell at the disciples and they say, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Well, with added confidence... Peter, one of the disciples, and the other apostles replied with this, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestor raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on the cross. That's a little extra boldness. I don't know that was like necessary, but you killed him is what he says. And the council is without, uh, without idea of what to do about this. They want to kill them. They want to get rid of them. And they even consider it. 
but one person of the council says this. He's seen an uprising like this, and it's going to fizzle out, is what he thinks. He advises this. He says, leave these men alone. Let them go. For their purpose or activity, if it's of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So they let them go. I love the end of that passage, though, right? I'll read it for you again. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. You want to know how the story ends or this chapter ends? The apostles, they left Sanhedrin, they left that area rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. This is such a good picture, right, of bold, of being bold in your faith, but also through active obedience to what God wants. Again, don't you want that? Don't you personally want that, to have confidence or to act in boldness, to help you know maybe even some of the signs of, of when you should follow through with obedience to God, what, whether that's a prompting you're experiencing or whether that's something new you're going to walk into. Well, I think there are a few things that we can learn from the disciples in Acts so that we can become bold and have bold obedience for ourselves. And the first thing is this. I, I think it's really obvious, but it's, it starts with a relationship with God. It starts with a relationship with God, like actually knowing God. Let me, I'll, I'll explain why I think this is super obvious, and this is also the, the first step to bold obedience. I thought I'd share with you a little interview of Aaron's love life before I met Sydney, uh, my wife. Early on in my dating years, like, like let's say like high school, college, I was horrible at, for lack of a better word, picking up chicks. I was horrible at it, especially the ones I didn't already know. I, I had to know the person beforehand, whereas my friends, or I had friends, they could just walk up to some random girl and be like, hey, can I get your number? Or, hey, want to go on a date? Or, or maybe even one of these cheesy pickup lines. If I could rearrange the alphabet, I'd put you and I together. They'd say something like that. They'd say, do you believe in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? Or... Feel my shirt. You know what it's made of? Boy from material. My friends would say something like that. And they would actually get a yes, I think like one out of a hundred times. So they did it a hundred times then. And it worked for them. For me, I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't get the confidence to do that. I had to know the person before I could feel the sense of confidence to ask someone out. Which worked out in my favor. I got Sydney, my wife today. But growing up, it also got me a bit friend-zoned quite often because I had to know everybody. Like from, We had to have a long time of relationship prior. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is when it comes to God, your boldness shouldn't be without a relationship with God. Again, the first verse we started with today was in Acts 4.13. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. You don't have to have all the details, but you have to have been with Jesus or know Jesus, or be in pursuit of Jesus' ways, or studying him today to actually be ready for bold obedience. Otherwise, you will never get the full obedience God wants to give you. Today, if you, if you aren't feeling like you've ever had an opportunity to have bold, boldness for God, a question you've got to ask yourself is, have you been with Jesus? 
Have you been with Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you know the ways of God? And not just like the cliches. I'm not talking about the cliches of thinking, I'm a Christian because I go to church or listen to Caleb or, or give a little money to church or wear a cross or have a verse tattooed on me somewhere. If that's you, I get it. Like, I, I feel that same way sometimes thinking that's what, that's what makes me a Christian or makes me someone that's, uh, that gives me boldness for God. But just having these things doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. Having a relationship with God is knowing him. It's studying Jesus. It's trying to connect with him through prayer and through worship. It's being in pursuit of him and his ways through your thoughts and through your actions. And these things should leave you undeniably bold when you pursue those. So much so that it changes your actions to align with his. Your boldness without a relationship to God is usually just cockiness. It is. Your boldness without a real relationship with God is probably more like the religious leaders that were pursuing the disciples. You're probably more about looks, more about cliches, or all about saying the right things, and that usually leads to jealousy when you see others having this firm boldness in God. Your boldness should be with a relationship to God, and it's usually in love and wanting to ultimately support others and wanting what's best for the people and for the world and wanting to share grace. Do you have bold obedience to God because you have a relationship with him or because you want to be right, have authority, and are just straight up a cocky person? Today, maybe, maybe you're not sure you've ever really told God that you want a relationship with him. Maybe you want to ensure that you actually do have a relationship with him. If that's you, tell him. Tell him simply that I want a relationship with you, God. And acknowledge the fact that you know you've done wrong. You've done wrong against others. You've done wrong against God. You've made mistakes. But you want the support, the boldness, the way of life that aligns with God. That gives freedoms for mistakes and baggage that you're already carrying. If that's you and you've never said that to God and that you want that, I encourage you to do that. Say that in your head and most importantly your heart. And God will give you this newfound boldness. Your relationship will now bring you bold obedience. The second thing when trying to figure out how to have active bold obedience is this. It's, it's no, it comes with opposition. It comes with opposition. Once you're in a relationship with God, maybe just starting, maybe one of years, you're going to experience opposition. If you're feeling like, hey, God's prompting me to do this one thing, know that you're almost always going to experience some pushback that is going to make you want to stop. In Acts, what we saw, the opposition was the words from the religious leaders. They said, we gave you strict orders to not teach in the name. They're, they're kind of bullying them. We gave you orders. It's trying to stop them. Opposition. People we saw last week, when they like, shared the good news in different languages, people are like, in the second to last uh, line, it says, these people are just drunk. They're like writing it off as like it's not something even like that great. They're just drunk. That's, it's nothing special. They're trying to write that off. That was the opposition. We even see that uh, there were threats for the future. It says they were arrested and the apostles were put, uh, they, they were arrested and they could be put in the public jail. These disciples, they were bold, walking out, broad daylight, and teaching just after being bullied not to. It's impressive. It honestly is. It's impressive. And if I'm going to be honest, that opposition would be a bit scary to me. And I don't know if I would be able to follow through like the disciples did if I was in that situation. I'm just being honest. I don't know if you can relate to that. That's just personally me. But if you're like me, though, and you can maybe relate with that a little bit, I don't think we're a complete lost cause for God. Because we can see that some people start following through 
partially in Acts and taking steps towards a more bold obedience. It's in Acts 5, 12 to 16. I'll read it for you. And see how people are taking steps that maybe aren't fully like the disciples, but getting close to it. It says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. You might not like hearing this from a pastor, but again, I would struggle to join those apostles and disciples, to follow through with the full boldness the way the disciples did. But I feel some progress, some step, like we see in this passage, is a step to that full obedience. But some of those steps we see in this passage is this, like we see some people, they're attending. They're just attending to hear what's being taught. They're listening. They're sharing about it with friends, because obviously more and more people are coming. They're, somehow they're hearing about it. People are sharing about what they're seeing with friends. They're bringing the sick and those in need we see. It's definitely not full obedience to just do something like that. But it's something. It's a start. And I want to say, even like doing just a start or a step like that is still going to experience some opposition. Maybe it's, it's like what others would have thought of them by like doing that, by talking about what they saw. Maybe it could have been like what would happen if some people saw them actually there. Like that would have ruined the relationships for them. Again, those things aren't full obedience, but I think those are one step of stirring followers of Jesus to getting to boldness. One step closer to full obedience that the disciples had. I want you to think for yourself, where are you today? Where are you today? Are you taking maybe that first step? Are you taking a next step? Do you have full obedience? I, you shouldn't stay in half obedience. You just shouldn't. You shouldn't stay in half obedience. Your next step should push you towards full obedience. What's your next step in your boldness today? Is it living the things God desires from his followers that is different than maybe the people around you? Maybe it's being honest. Maybe it's not speaking crudely about others. Maybe it's forgiving or not cheating. Maybe it's something in faith for you. Maybe it's like inviting someone to church, someone new that you just know needs, needs a church family. Maybe it's telling someone you're a Christian. That's, that's your next step of full obedience. Maybe it's giving financially. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's leading a life group even. I think we all have an action step here. But again, it all comes with opposition. If you've ever been to a service here before, you've probably gathered from some of the things I talk about that I like warehouse stores. Costco, Sam's Club. Anybody with me? Like, you like Sam's Club or Costco? Okay, all the moms in the room. Great. Um, they're great. They're great. Good deals, cheap prices, decent stuff, and most importantly, samples. They're amazing. You can make a meal into it if you plan it right, if you plan the timing right. But I'm going to share something a little vulnerable with you about this. Uh, I used to double up on samples. I used to double up on samples. I used to find one I liked and then circle back around to have another of those samples. Yes, I know. I'm not proud of it. I'm just sharing like a little guilt of mine. Uh, it would be pretty rough to see like in a police beat that like, pasture, stealing samples, right? Not the greatest thing to see. This seems so silly, right? It seems so silly, but those little cups with like 
that yummy thing, it gets me. And no, I'm not talking about like handing out like a hot dog or something like that, like gross, right? But like the good stuff, the good samples. And I personally, I felt convicted. I felt convicted like I'm not cheating the system anymore. I'm just going to, I'm going to take one sample, one sample. That's just what I feel right about. Uh, so what happens is the first day I go and when I make this decision, they were given something good away. I want to say it was like Pop-Tarts or something like that. I'm, a, I'm from the 90s, so Pop-Tarts were amazing. That's an amazing sample. Like, yum, all right? Pop-Tarts, yeah. Just one. So I take just one. And then like the nice sample lady, she says, well, does your daughter want one too? She doesn't eat stuff like that yet. And I'm like, I'll, I'll eat it. You know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I, I'd eat it. But I wanted to be obedient. I wanted to be obedient to not lie, to not cheat in this way that I felt like so convicted by. So I said no. I said no. And I felt like it was this obedience test to me, this opportunity to be obedient. And the opposition was this nice sample lady. That's what it was for me. It was this nice sample lady trying to give me a softball for an extra sample. But I knew I had to stick to my conviction. This seems so silly, right? But my obedience to be truthful, it was still tough. Bold, active obedience to God is almost always tough. You want to join a life group or a Bible study, so you sign up, yay! But when it comes to the day of actually showing up for it, something almost always pops up on your calendar or you feel a little sick inside and you feel like you got to cancel. Or you feel church is where you should be on Sunday. You're like, this is where I need to be on Sundays. i got to be at church. But your favorite event or the perfect weather or your hobby is always Sunday morning. Or maybe you want to share in your faith. You want to share it with someone and you're about to share it with that friend. But the other friend that you know just like can't stand church it just walked in and they're going to give you a bunch of crap as you talk about it. Maybe you feel like you got to help someone out, but it just happens to be a very busy day for you, and you're going to have to change your whole schedule around it. Maybe you want to read your Bible, but you're so busy with your projects that you have going on in your life. Maybe you want to pray, but, but you're tired of cramming things into your schedule that you just don't feel like you can stay awake to do it. We experience opposition when we are working towards bold obedience, full bold obedience. The next comment I'm going to say is hard, but I think we all need it. It's if you're not ready to face opposition in your obedience, you're not ready to be used by God. Are you ready to face opposition? Live godly, share your faith, grow your relationship with God, serve someone. If so, be fully obedient with boldness and ready to overcome opposition. The thing that I think is really similar to this that is also another way that we can have bold obedience and actively act on it is know that it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost your influence, maybe your time, maybe your relationships, maybe fun, maybe the satisfaction of having two samples. It's going to cost you something. In Scripture, it says this, Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. That's the disciples. Do you think some people scoffed at them as they saw him do this day after day, shooed them out to get away from their house, or, or had people like end their relationship with them because they were just feeling like, oh, they only talk about Jesus, or they're just too busy with their Jesus things? Absolutely, right? Yet the cost was part of the obedience. Honestly, if you're not feeling opposition, a cost, or a bit of a sacrifice on your part in your faith, 
I'd be nervous you might not be taking real steps in bold obedience the way God wants. Sure, we can do things that, that feel great to do, and we feel like, oh, this is great to do this thing for God. But bold obedience, something God pushes all of us towards, if we are honestly listening to him, will almost always have a cost. Where is that thing that you know is going to cost you something, but you feel God is tugging you? Is it, for you, is it your Sunday mornings? Maybe for you, it's your influence with the guys at work, or maybe it's financial, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's accountability or, or comfortability. Where is God tugging you for full obedience? But you just know there's going to be a cost, and you got to get over it. Does anybody uh, remember the song Grenade by Bruno Mars? You guys need to listen to better music. All right. <laughs> Grenade by Bruno Mars. I'm going to play a little clip for you. Check it out. Do you remember it now? All right, good, good. So to take a grenade or a bullet or to die for someone, I feel like it's something like is kind of get tossed around sometimes. I take a bullet for you. And especially like I feel like I put myself in this category of, of guys. It's something we'd say like I take a bullet for my family. Or I take a bullet for, for, for you. Like I die for you. It's something we'd say in situations. And don't get me wrong. I definitely don't want to minimize people who have sacrificed their lives for others because it is extremely honorable. Yet the likelihood of you in Fond du Lac needing to take a bullet for your family or your faith or for your beliefs is pretty unlikely, right? But I feel like sometimes, I'm just being honest here, at least specifically for men, we bank on that statement instead of doing the daily cost. Uh, I, I die for that person. That's how, how much I love them. I die for them instead of actually just showing up daily and doing something for them. Instead of doing something maybe weekly. Uh, I die for them, though. A bullet is an extremely honorable cost, but it's a one-time cost that is unlikely to happen for a lot of us. And if that's what we're banking on, there's never really any real action from us. There's never steps to getting to full obedience what the disciples did daily in the temple and at the house was a daily cost. Will you commit to the daily needed cost of, of maybe like weekly teaching your child about faith instead of watching the game or doing that one thing or of actually forgiving people instead of holding a grudge or getting out of your comfort zone to serve others when you just kind of want to sit back or pursuing faith instead of other things. And doing these things consistently, the bullet sometimes feels like this honorable, easier option, yet the daily grind of faith is the honorable cost to God. Here's my little shout out to moms. Moms are typically amazing at that consistent cost. They're consistently changing diapers that you exploded inside of two times. They care for you daily, all stinking long, all year long, year after year after year. They have your back when no one else will. Even when you've turned your back on mom, they still have your back. They care for you when you are sick. Moms are so consistent. They'll take a bullet for you, and they'll take the daily, like, BBs or pellets that maybe you're getting shot with. <laughs> they'll take those for you as well. To live godly, to be bold in your actions, there's a cost. And it's the cost that is a consistent lifetime walk 
with God, meaning it's more than just taking a one-time bullet in life. If you want boldness from God, be prepared for that. Be prepared for that. The last thing that we can see the disciples uh, in acting in bold confidence is, is their action, it required faith. It required faith. We saw the disciples, they were teaching, they were put in the prison, they were released from prison, and then they were told to go back to where you were teaching, go back to where you were teaching, where you're, you probably will get caught, and they'll probably decide they'll put you back in here. What? Like, why would they do that, right? Like, why would they, like, really, God, you want us to go back to where we were put in prison doing the exact same thing? It seems so not right, right? But if it's from God, as in it, it aligns with Scripture, aligns in with what, what you're praying about, with what your wise counsel says, the bold act, it maybe feels wrong, but if it's from God and requires, if, but if it's from God, it probably just requires faith to actually act on it for yourself. For the disciples, it says, at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. They actually did it. They actually did it. And when that happened, of acting in faith, they were brought back in the prison again. But then this comment happens, the comment you saw earlier. It says this, therefore, in the present case, I advise you, one of the first people of the council says, leave these men alone. Leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose of activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's of God, it's going to persist. And it was of God. This is an amazing reminder that sometimes you might get pushback originally or on the first try. But if your bold action is honestly from God, you got to keep going. you got to keep going. Where is that for you today? Where is that for you today? So as I wrap up today, we see that bold obedience, it starts with a relationship. It comes with opposition. It will cost you something, and it requires faith. Knowing these things, they still don't make you obedient in action. Just knowing these things, it doesn't make you obedient in action. But knowing these things should make you aware that you should probably follow through or push forward with bold, obedient action like the disciples did. Where or what are you feeling right now that you know you need to act on? That fits maybe one of the things we talked about. Again, for you, is it changing your daily life and your daily living? Maybe for you, it's aligning yourself with God more. Maybe it's aligning yourself with, with a church and having that be something more consistent. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's giving. Maybe it's stepping out and actually starting something, this thing that's been, been stuck with you for a long time. We can have boldness from God, and we can know all the signs that usually are, are opportunities to, to act in bold obedience to God. It just comes down to, will you do it? Will you act on it or not? I'm going to pray that we do. Uh, and that I do, that I act in bold obedience this week, whatever it is that God's prompting me for full obedience, if you want that extra push from God and that reminder to do that, you can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us an example of how, how your disciples push through, uh, push through some tough stuff so that they can model bold obedience. God, I just pray that we can act in bold obedience. We can be bold in, in, against opposition, we can be bold in, in what we feel we need to do. And God, I just pray that uh, you make that very obvious to us when we should take that next step so that we can get closer to full obedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.